Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have back with us again today Matthew Campbell. Matthew is a member of the U.S. firm. He's a managing director and a part of the people and change practice. So, Matt, thanks for joining us again here today on Advice Worth Keeping. Great to be here with you, Stan. Well, we have a series of podcasts that we're developing around uh, the very important but very broad topic of the future of work. Today, we're going to talk about process automation and how that's changing the talent system. So, really, what we're here to talk about today is what does it really mean to live with robots? And again, these are software robots in the context of robotics process automation. But really want to hear from Matt how intelligent automation is changing the talent ecosystem. These advancements in technologies are triggering really an unprecedented and monumental change in the nature of work, particularly white-collar work. We've seen a lot of disruption relative to blue-collar work as factories have automated, for example. But here we're talking about work white-collar in nature, back office, human resources, finance and accounting, front office, customer and care. So these technologies really part of what's been called the second machine age or the fourth industrial revolution have the potential to impact really all work activities in the U.S. over the next five to ten years. Obviously, organizations are evaluating and implementing these technologies, but we feel that few are really sufficiently retooling the talent management strategies to reflect the changes these technologies will bring. So, Matt, to start out, talk about addressing the current robotic environment, whether it's the robotics process automation we hear so much about or bots, or the more advanced capabilities in the form of machine learning and artificial intelligence. How pervasive are these technologies in the workplace today and the clients you're dealing with? In terms of the clients we're dealing with at the moment, a lot of clients are wrapping their heads around how to actually embrace these technologies. And we've got a few that are actually starting to reorganize their workforce, reorganize the value chains of their work, and starting to think differently in terms of how they deliver value. It's a pretty active space in terms of organizations trying to work out how to actually do these changes and make them sustainable. The big picture and all the statistics out there is that likely to be around 130 million workers whose jobs are critically impacted in terms of how their work is structured, how it's organized, and even displaced in the future, which is pretty significant when you consider just how much work gets done by these bots and artificial intelligence in about 10 years' time, realistically, maybe less. And then the demographic impact of that is really interesting as well as it plays into this at the same time where organizations, a lot of them know that they have aging workforces. They know that they're struggling to compete for people with the right skill sets. So they're actively and consciously starting to design out work that has previously been done by workers that are seeking to retire and move on to the next stage of their life. So the the baby boomers are now stepping out and the millennials are now the biggest generation in the workforce. I think that's an interesting point in that on the one hand, there's a lot of angst in the market over job loss. But by the same token, as you highlight with an aging workforce, a lot of the skills that organizations need are in short supply. So on the one hand, there's a threat to jobs, but on the other hand, it could be beneficial to fill jobs where there's a scarcity of talent. On that point, what do organizations need to consider to attract the candidates with the type of high-demand skills that will be needed in this more digital environment? I think the first thing is to recognize we're in an era of super low unemployment, especially in these roles. 
And so candidates have a lot of choices. It's no longer the situation where an employer can put out the wanted sign and people come along. That's long gone. And so for most of the clients that we're working with, there's a degree of realization that they may actually be five years behind filling their talent pipeline. And so we're starting to see a lot more active and aggressive work from our clients in terms of how they're thinking about planning for future work, how they're breaking down roles and starting to re-envisage how work could actually be done as a result of technology. And within that, because many of them are struggling to fill roles, previously pretty standard roles, they're starting to actually change the employee deal that they offer and starting to become a bit more customized. And I know we're going to have another podcast at some point looking at how do you actually look at the purpose that you create in someone's work life. So within attracting candidates and even retaining candidates is really understanding how do you create an environment for the employee that actually allows them to do the work that they want to do? And where is the leadership vision for that actually coming into place? And how do you create a culture so that you can bring in subject matter experts and not inflict them with the traditional ways that you run your organization? So people are able to actually make the contributions that they want to make rather than tying people up with a whole pile of organizational processes that they don't necessarily want to do. Organizations are really starting to challenge themselves in terms of What's the burden that we place on our employees in terms of how they're delivering work? And that obviously means a lot of different behaviors need to shift in an organization. Let's talk for a minute about the existing employee base and organizations that are undertaking intelligent automation efforts. Obviously, in some cases, an entire job or role might be eliminated. But I think what we're seeing is that many cases, only certain activities that comprise a role are eliminated. So you end up with employees that aren't doing the transactional work, for example, so they have time to do more value-added or strategic work. But if there are some skill shortages in the market that you just described relative to getting people with more advanced skills to leverage data and analytics and intelligent automation, what are the opportunities to retrain or upskill existing employees to perform some of these more advanced roles? What should organizations be doing as part of that, what do employees need to step up and do? And, and is it really viable to think the gaps can be filled by upskilling uh, existing employees? It's really interesting because we talk about people being freed up to do higher value, add more strategic work. What we're really starting to dig into as part of that with our clients is, well, what do you actually mean by that higher value, add work? So there's usually this utopian ideal as to what that work is but we rarely actually dig into what is that work. And so we're starting to spend a lot more time with clients really digging into what is that higher value add work? What does it really look like? What does it mean in your organization to be strategic? What does it mean to be more relationship centric? What does it mean to be customer centric? And really starting to look at what are the underlying competencies that need to exist so that existing employees they can actually start developing the new competencies around doing that work. Because if we can clearly define what the expectations of that higher value-added work is, then we can start to put the bones around it in terms of what the underlying competencies and skill sets are so that existing employees can actually then start working towards building those skill sets. I think the other piece that sits around this is organizations, the big buzzword at the moment is to become more agile. And so really what that means in terms of organizing work is that we're starting to organize work around different competency sets. So rather than having generalist type roles, we start to give people permission to dig into a particular area and really deliver good value out of work. But we're continually reorganizing those teams. 
So one of the biggest skills, regardless of which industry you're in or what type of business, is to think about your own ability to not have as much routine. How comfortable are you with the change landscape around you so that as your business keeps on reorganizing, it's part of how business happens in the future. So that whole idea of the organization being more agile means that employees will keep on moving around different project teams and products and services and be less stable in terms of what we traditionally think of in terms of departments and functions. The immediate thing that everyone can do is to start getting ready for your comfort with change and how to actually work through that. I think the people who are going to work best with this are the people that actually have a natural and innate curiosity around, well, what is the work that I do and how is it changing? And the more that you embrace that conversation and have that curiosity, that's probably the skill set that's going to matter most as bots come more and more into our workplace and intelligent automation becomes part of how we run as organizations. We're comfortable with it in our own lives because we all walk around with smartphones that have digital assistance, whether it's Siri or Google or Alexa. We have them in our homes, but for some reason at work, we tend to have an expectation that they won't impact us. And really, we should be expecting that they will impact us. And it's having the curiosity of just how much can you get that digital assistant to do for you. So I would conclude then that it's really a little bit of both from your last two points. You need to look for employees that have some more of these advanced skills and where applicable and viable, bring them in, but also look to train and upskill your employees, perhaps looking at those that do have the ability to become more agile as you describe it. But I would suspect that just some employees that are in the firm today may not have that ability to become more agile or really have the ambition or perhaps the skill set to move forward. I would say it's a function of a dual-pronged approach to address the talent strategy going forward. Is that accurate from your perspective? And we pursue a model with clients around the talent strategy called buy, build, borrow, and save. The buying is where you're actually out there seeking those new skill sets in the marketplace because you know that you either don't have the time or don't have the ability to build those skill sets. The build is where you're looking to take your existing workforce and retrain, reskill, and give them new ways to actually perform in the organization. The borrow space is where we're looking at what is the work that's not core to our organization or what's the skill set that we only need for a fixed period of time and how do we actually borrow that skill set, whether it's through traditional outsourcing models, more contemporary crowdsourcing models, or even consulting services. How do you actually think about borrowing those capabilities that you need for your organization? And finally, the safe place there is how do we actually understand those critical roles in the organization that we know there isn't an available talent market for? Understand the people you were talking about who might not be able to move to new roles or have the desire to move to new roles are often people who are filling those critical roles. And so we want to make sure that we've actually done the risk assessment around those folks to understand how much of their talent do we need to save and what are the critical pieces that we need to think about knowledge transition from. Who in the organization should be leading these efforts? What's the role of HR rank and file and HR management, the role of business unit management, executive management? Really, who should be driving this and what are some of the different roles different constituencies need to play to enable an organization to have success with this transition? I think in terms of owning the conversation, it's usually a business leader-led conversation because they own the business. And business leaders, in my conversations with them, are critically aware that they can't just rely on somebody else in the organization, regardless of role or title, to solve this. There's good recognition out there that if we don't have the right talent, we're never actually going to be able to achieve our business strategies. 
I think the ownership piece around facilitating the conversation is definitely from an HR leader's perspective. And the top end of HR should really be looking at some of those strategic activities in terms of how is our organization changing, what markets are we moving into, what are our new products, what does that mean in terms of our workforce as a whole, while the rank and file HR people, as you called them, really are the ones that are going to need to start taking on more of a coaching role for employees to help them think through what their career paths are and where they're actually going to acquire those skills. And likewise, having those conversations with managers in the business to make sure that there's an active approach to managing future staffing issues rather than just reacting to current staffing issues. So to wrap up, Matt, I think most organizations today have a pre-digital HR talent strategy and HR model. So therefore, they're a bit dated given where those organizations are going today. And this is particularly the case, obviously, with firms that have been around for a while. What are some of the ways organizations can and should retool the talent management strategy and operations to reflect today's modern era of intelligent automation and the increased use of digital labor? Dan, as organizations think about what their new value chain is, because any of these technologies are starting to reorganize and often equip the organization to respond differently to what it's trying to achieve. And so as part of that, we need to be really candid in terms of how we think about what are the new career paths that exist for folks. Within that, how do you actually make sure that you're building that pipeline of talent against it? Key pieces within that is going to be the leadership drive in terms of understanding what that new value chain of work actually is. And so having that aligned leadership vision is a key piece, along with making sure that leadership has the appropriate digital savvy, that we're in a position where we can actually dig into not just the the big idea, but the technicalities of how to actually make it work. And then increasingly with our clients, they're working through their talent strategy. Talent isn't an afterthought. It needs to be a key piece in terms of if we design the work process and the technology this way, will we actually be able to find the people to do that work? Or should we be making a different design option in terms of our processes and technology so that we can better equip or we can better utilize the existing workforce that we have? So working through that so that technology isn't just a magic bullet by itself, but it's an integrated piece of that operating model so that talent and technology are working hand in hand along with processes and the rest of the business requirements. And I think the other piece there is to really start getting on top of workforce planning. The more contemporary end of that is thinking about how you're actually shaping the workforce over time, which is, again, that active approach as to how we're actually moving our population of people from one set of competencies that they have today to a new set of competencies, but also actively thinking about as we look at our business needs and our workforce needs to support that, how are we pursuing that buy, build, borrow and save model to make sure that we're pulling in the right talent at the right time. Well, Matt, thanks very much for your time today and your insights on this very important topic, which is literally impacting every organization out there. We'll get you back again soon to continue the discussion around purpose-driven work or the importance of connecting candidates with a cause. For our listeners, there's additional materials on this topic. The landing page for this podcast on KPMG's Advice Worth Keeping site, there's a link out 
to some additional resources on this topic and the broader topic of the future of work. Definitely check those out. And for those of you that access this podcast via RSS feeds or iTunes, uh, hop over to the Advice Worth Keeping site to access those additional links. So, Matt, thank you for your time today. This podcast is one in a series of talent insights on the future of work. The ability to be agile in the face of rapid workforce change will be key to the future performance and competitive advantage of organizations. The question is, how is your organization pioneering a 21st century enterprise to anticipate change, transform, and achieve greatness? Listen to more podcasts from our Future of Work series. Go to www.kpmg.com slash US slash Future of Work. And there's a link to that on the landing page of any of these podcasts. There you'll find more insights and ways to unlock the value from our greatest asset, your people.